you guys have ever had a, a time or a day where just nothing goes right? Like you can't get anything to go right. Anyone? Okay, mostly just me and a couple sparse throughout the crowd, right? I just tell you what, these last few days, nothing has gone right. And I just happen to believe that Satan doesn't want you to hear what we're talking about this morning. I think Satan has been trying to discourage me these past few days. I was the picture of absolute health just three days ago. I was 60 pounds light. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I didn't have a cold uh, three days ago. Then all of a sudden, the day before I have to preach in Modesto, I can't breathe out my nose. So if you're like, man, this guy sounds weird, it's because I can't breathe, all right? I'm probably going to cough. I look sickly. You guys, I, it is what it is, all right? If you sat in the front row, I'm so sorry. You are in the splash zone. You can go to the lobby and get your poncho, all right? Um, but there's just everything that could go wrong. Huh, Pastor Trin. Pastor Trin's my wife, by the way. Uh, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong the past couple of days, right? It's just uh, <clears throat> just so many, so many things. Um, and I just, I, I believe that God wants to speak something to you guys. And obviously the devil knows it's something important because he's trying to get this to not happen. And, um, and I, I just, I think you need to prepare your heart right now that maybe God has something to speak to you, that maybe where you are in your life isn't where he wants you to be in your life. Some of you guys are pretty close, and you might have to just change your trajectory just a little bit. Some of you are pretty far away, and you need to really do an about face. But God is going to do something in your life if you allow him to today. <clears throat> Listen, if you're a new lifer and you call this church your home church, just want to uh, remind you guys next week, right after the gathering, we're having our State of the Church Address, uh, which is our annual business meeting. The reason we don't call it a business meeting is because no one wants to go to a business meeting, all right? So this is more than just a business meeting. Of course, we're going to do business. We have to set the budget for this upcoming year and, and make some, uh, some big decisions. But we're also going to talk about all the great things that God did in 2023, all the great things we believe he's going to do in 2024. So if you're part of this church family, stay after the gathering next week. Be here. It's a very, very important meeting, and uh, we don't want you to miss out on that. So, <clears throat> all right. we I, I am a preacher that needs a little bit of energy in the room, all right? So if you hear something that's funny, please laugh loud. It gets me going, all right? If you hear my wife laugh, just know she doesn't think it's funny. She's just supporting me, all right? That's her role in this life. Um, if you hear something that strikes you as, uh, like, it just strikes you, you can say amen, whatever I know. Larry, you got my back. I love it when you're here. Um, yeah, both Larrys. Yeah, see, 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 this is where we're going. But I want to start uh, 2024 with a little bit of a competition, all right? Is, that, is there anyone competitive in the room? Anyone? Yeah. Okay, we got a room full of competitors in here. So um, here we go. Whoever has the biggest answer to this question wins, all right? And last night, we had some really competitive people in there. The first question, like, they didn't even, like, typically sermons aren't, like, call and response, right? It's not like I say something and you guys, it's not like a conversation most of the time. But last night, I was like, whoever has the biggest answer to this question wins. And, like, instantly, it was like, what do we win? I was like... Didn't think that was going to get brought up. I have nothing, all right? You win. That's what you win. You win the win, just like the Packers are going to do today. Praise Jesus. Go, Pack, go. Into the playoffs we go. Um, <coughs> we, no one cares about the Cowboys, Gail. Just get out of here. 
All right. Okay. Well, listen, if you like the Cowboys, you need to find Jesus. I'm just going to say it right here, right now. All right. No other team, specifically the Cowboys. Um, okay. Whoever has the biggest answer to this question wins. You ready? You ready for this? Who has been to the most funerals? Oof, yeah, you didn't know this was going to be a Debbie Downer type of competition, right? And I really, I do want some answers on this. Who, who, do, who in the crowd thinks that they've been to the most funerals? How many, Sally? Like roughly, if you could guesstimate. 50. 50, okay. Can anyone beat 50? <laughs> 52. <laughs> I was going to say, Judy, if it was anyone but Sally, you probably wouldn't even raise your hand, but you just, you had to beat Sally. You had to beat Sally. All right, I guess 52, very oddly specific number. I mean, this is not the price is right, all right? You can't just beat someone by a dollar here. Uh, anyone beat 52? Anyone? 52 is a lot, right? I haven't been to quite that many funerals, but organizing a funeral service is part of being a pastor. And so I've had some experience in that area in my life of going to funerals. And there are some not so fun things that revolve around the death of a loved one, right? I mean, you know that, Judy, right? You know that, Sally. You know that, Larry. There's a lot of not so fun things. I remember when I was 15 years old and I watched next to my grandpa's hospital bed as he took his final breath. I was in the room when it happened. That is not one of my fondest memories. I remember getting a frantic call early in the morning from an inconsolable Jerry Roncalli who goes to this campus as he explained to me through yelling and tears that he woke up to find his wife had passed away next to him in bed. That is not one of my fondest memories receiving that phone call. And while death is not usually a highlight in anyone's life, there is one part uh, I particularly enjoy during a funeral, and that's when the loved ones pass around the microphone to say why they appreciated the person who passed away. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful moment, and it's not even part of the message, but I think we need to do that more while they're here on this earth. Amen? No one really enjoys thinking about their own eventual death. No one does. But I really want you to think about this this morning. How do you want people to remember you at your funeral? What would people say about you at your funeral? Anyone? Anyone? What, like, Larry, what do you think people would say about you at your funeral? There he goes. There he goes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What about you, Ashley? What do you think people would say about you at your funeral? Not what do you want them to say, like, eventually, but what do you think they'd say right now about you? She followed Jesus. Amen. Amen. Craig, what about you? What do you think people would say about you at your funeral? I hope that uh, he helped a lot of people know Jesus. He helped a lot of people know Jesus. <laughs> it's not fun to think about your own death, right? But I think that's a very important question that you should ask yourself from time to time. What would people say about me if my funeral was today? What would people say? This week, we're starting off a new series at New Life called T3. And one of the major words that you're going to hear me and the other pastoral staff talk about throughout this series is the word stewardship. Many of you guys know what that word means, but if you don't, stewardship just simply means to manage someone else's property, 
All right, that's what stewardship is. So our, our T3 series is gonna be all about being a good steward of our time, our talent, and our treasure. Three T's, right, T3, and <clears throat> that God has placed in our life. So our time, our talents, and our treasures are all things that God has placed us as a steward over. We are responsible for how we use it, but we do not own it. Right? You are responsible for your time and your talents and your treasures, but you do not own any of those things. They all belong to God. Amen. Genesis one twenty eight says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. We were created to be responsible for the things that God gives to us. And when it comes to time, many of us could be much better stewards of what God has given us. <clears throat> so today, I think God is asking us to focus our attention on how we steward our most precious commodity, and that is time. Did you know that in spite of all of the wealth and freedom and opportunity in this country, a study by the World Health Organization and the Harvard Medical School found that the USA has the highest rate of depression of any of the 14 nations that they surveyed. The USA. More than war-torn Lebanon or job-starved Mexico. And in fact, the country with the lowest depression rate was Nigeria. Which, by the way, quite a few of the people who join us from our online campus are from Nigeria. I think that's pretty awesome. But Nigeria is a land of tremendous poverty, of civil war, of tribal and religious tensions and corruption, and they're the least depressed. Can you guess why they concluded was a primary reason that Americans are so depressed? It's time, and the fact that we Americans have too much of it that we're wasting. Uh, Vince Siciliano of the Wall Street Journal said it this way. He said, when your life is a struggle for clean water and adequate food, you don't have time to indulge in existential despair. You know, the priority of who we are supposed to be and how we are supposed to act, I think it's been lost throughout the generations. That's why I feel it's so important that I remind everyone in this room of the nine values that we have decided are to be at the core of everyone who calls New Life Church their home church. So if you call New Life your home church, this is who you should be, all right? This is our church. Here are the nine values. We are faith-filled, big-thinking, back-the-farm risk-takers. We'll never insult God with small thinking and safe living. <clears throat> We're all about the capital C church, the local church is the hope of the world, and we know we can accomplish infinitely more together than apart. We give up things we love for things we love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one is reaching, we'll have to do things no one is doing. We will lead the way with irrational generosity. We truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. We will laugh hard, loud, and often. Nothing is more fun than serving God with people that you love. We always bring our best. Love is in the details. We are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. Yeah. 
And we will honor Christ and his church with integrity. If we live with integrity, nothing else matters. If we don't live with integrity, nothing else matters. Those are some great values. They're out on the chalkboards out there. They're on our website if you want to be reminded of them. But today, I want to focus on we always bring our best. Love is in the details. God loves to use small things. Um, the fact that God delights in using nothings and nobodies sh should mean a great deal to us because I are a nothing and I are a nobody, right? It means that there's hope for all of us. I mean, goodness, if God can take a 16-year-old farm boy from a North Carolina dairy farm, someone who had done nothing to distinguish himself up until that point, and make a Billy Graham out of him, he can do something with you and me. I think the part we struggle with, though, is that we always want to do these grandiose and huge acts of love towards other people to show them Christ's love because we feel like the only way someone's going to get the message is if we do it as big and bad as we can. But we need to remember that love is in the details. Now, can I show my wife that I love her by buying her a huge bouquet of roses and surprising her with them? Could I do that? Absolutely. That would make her very happy, wouldn't it? But, you know what might show it better? Picking up my dirty clothes off the ground and putting them in the hamper like she's asked me a thousand times, right? I think she'd probably rather not see my underwear than see a huge bouquet of roses, all right? Guys, take some notes, all right? <coughs> now, when you love something or someone, you show it in big ways and you show it in small ways. If you want to have a nice car, you can't just wash it every week right? You have to change its oil too. You have to take it in for regular tune-ups. Some of y'all are just learning this for the first time. Go get that oil change, all right? A wash will make it look good on the outside, but that doesn't mean it's a nice car. You have to show love in the small details that, if we're honest, most of the time people just don't want to do, right? The problem is this can be time-consuming. It can be exhausting, and it is not easy, it's easier to show love in big ways. It's very difficult to show love in the little ways. The Bible says in John 13, 35, it says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love. So your friends, your family, your coworkers, the people that are around you will know that you are a follower of Jesus by your love. And where is love found? In the details. So real quick this morning, I just want to cover a few places that I believe that we are called to love others well for the sake of Jesus Christ. First of all, love is in the details at home. Let's talk about home for a little bit, all right? It seems like such an obvious and easy thing, but you need to remember to show your love in the details at home. And there are so many ways to make sure that this is happening at home, you know, uh, if you're a, a, a kid or a teenager, keeping your room clean, Amen. all right? I didn't do it. You should do it, all right? <coughs> How about this? Not just loading the dishwasher. Uh, you know where I'm going, right? But putting the dishes away when they're done, right? How about putting the toilet seat back down? Anyone? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. I mean... The list could go on and on forever. And some of you ladies are like, amen, I got a list already. It's two miles long. I get it. I'm talking about how you use and prioritize your time and taking it to the next level in your life. Because let me let you in on a little secret. You have not arrived. If you feel like you use your time perfectly, you don't. 
All right? You have something that you can do better. But we can do better in this area. Remember, true love is found in the details. So how can you show your spouse or your parents or your kids love in the details at home? You do the things that no one else wants to do without being asked. Now, I'm about to go through a long list. I'm just going to let you know right now. It's about three pages long in my notes. It's a long list. And I wish I could say I could take the credit for this list. In fact, you know what? Technically, I can take the credit. But how many of you guys are married? Any married couples in here, right? How many of you guys, from time to time, or more often than you'd probably let on in a public setting, you have some fights with your spouse? You have some heated exchanges and words? Raise, come on, raise your hand. I don't want to be alone in here, right? I mean, goodness, when I said that we were under attack this week, what do you think I meant, right? I think my wife hired an assassin. I can't tell. I can't tell. <laughs> but I, from time to time, me and my wife have these discussions uh, about what could be better in our marriage, right? And sometimes it is a good, healthy conversation. Sometimes it gets very, very heated. And it was, what, a couple months ago at this point, we had what I would say, uh, it was a very heated discussion on uh, the division of labor in our house. And uh, there was uh, the time when Trin was overwhelmed and she had to get out of the house. And so I watched the kids and she went to Starbucks and I didn't know what she was doing, but she was at Starbucks. She had her phone or her laptop out and she was creating a list of all of the responsibilities of the home. And she was, and she was doing it out of a good heart. She wanted to see what do I do and what does she do? And is it equal? Could we do better at splitting the load? And she shared the note with me before she got home and I was reading through it and I was like, I can read between the lines. This was, this was written in an all out rage. I get it. I get it. Yeah, you know, I can read it. <coughs> and so we, we talked about it and what did I do as a guy is, is I read through the whole thing and I picked one thing that she was a little bit wrong on and I used that as my defense for why the whole document was wrong. Any other guys get what I'm doing, right? And it took me a little bit to calm down and I, God has grown me in this area. I'm usually able to calm down in the middle of the conversation and come to my senses and not have to come back later and be like, you know what? I messed up. Um, but I realized I'm like, Brian, you are majoring on this one thing when there's an entire list that you know is pretty darn accurate. And, uh, so this list is not exhaustive, it's not the whole list, but it's a majority of the things that she wrote down that I had to go through and ask myself, am I being lazy? Am I showing love in the details by doing things that I should be doing, or am I just letting her take care of what she handles without even thinking about it? Because that's not fair to her, all right? And not every marriage is the same, all right? Your division of labor is gonna be different than our division of labor. But I do want you to ask yourself, and this isn't just the guys in the room, this is the ladies too, ask yourself as I'm reading this list, how are you doing at using your time correctly to show the people around you that you love them in the details? You guys ready? Who manages the scheduling of childcare? Who keeps track of what needs to be cleaned, how often it needs to be cleaned, and what is needed to make sure it gets cleaned? Who makes sure that the laundry is done you would think that that was just a general question, right? But there are subcategories to this, right? That usually, I'm just being honest, I think it's mostly a guy thing, but that could just be a generalization. Like, that's where it would end for me. Like, who gets the laundry done? But no, there's more that goes into it, right? Who does the collecting? Who does the sorting? Who does the pre-treating? Who does the folding? 
Who does the putting away, right? There's a lot of aspects to all of these things. Who keeps track of the kids' clothes when clothes need to be decommissioned, when new clothes need to be purchased? Who keeps track of making sure that bedding is regularly cleaned? Who organizes the planning of what meals the family will have throughout the week? Who makes the shopping list? Who does the actual shopping? Who does the cooking? Who does the cleaning after the meal? Right? Who makes sure the garbage cans are regularly emptied and the bins are taken out to the curb on the right day every week? That's the one that I was like, that's me. I do it every week. You've never done it in your life. This list is not right. <coughs> Which was true. I always do that one, but most of the other stuff I never did. Okay. <coughs> Who keeps track of getting the mail on a regular basis? Who usually mows the lawn and takes care of the landscaping? Who keeps up on the maintenance of all the cars? Who schedules the oil changes? Who takes cars in for repairs? When something breaks at home, who notices and fixes it? Or who schedules the professionals to come out and handle the fixes that no one in the home can do themselves? Who makes the decisions on parenting and discipline? Who buys and reads the books on how to become a better parent? Who makes sure that everyone is getting regular medical appointments? Who calls to schedule the appointments? Who takes the kids to the appointments? Who keeps track of important medical information for those doctor's visits? Who is in charge of keeping track of the kids' activities? Who signs them up? Who keeps the calendar to know when games and practices are? You see, this is a long list, right? We're almost there. Who takes care of the family budget? Who pays the bills? Who tries to keep everyone on track to keep the budget that was agreed on? Who keeps track of holidays and birthdays? Who keeps a, lift, a list of gift ideas for different family members? Who buys the gifts? Who buys the cards? Who wraps the gifts? Who organizes the family vacation? Who creates the packing lists? Who plans the events and the lodging accommodations? Who takes charge in the leadership aspect, of the spiritual leadership aspect of the family? Who brings the family together to pray regularly? Who makes sure that everyone comes consistently to church? a long list. We're done in terms of this message, but if you want to see the note, it's much more extensive, okay? <laughs> like I said, the list could go on forever, and chances are you may have realized that a lot of the things listed fall on one individual in your home, and maybe it's about time that we begin to show people that we love them by how we choose to use our time. Do the things that no one wants to do because love is in the details. And love is in the details also at your work, by the way. You need to try your hardest when you're at work. Not to prove that you're the best, not to climb the corporate ladder, but because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever you do, it's for Jesus. So when you do things at work and when you do things at home, you're doing them for Jesus. Whether it feels like a super spiritual thing to do or not to do, you are doing it for Jesus. That's why you work hard. Because you are a picture of Jesus to the people that are around you. And if you're always lazy at work, if you're not getting your projects done on time, if they know that they can't rely on you, and they know you're a Christian, not only does it reflect poorly on you, but it reflects poorly on Jesus. You try hard even when you are not excited and passionate to be there. Um, I think about um, 
How many of you guys have a favorite year of school that you had? Like in all your years of school, you look back and you're like, that was a great year of school. What was your favorite year of school? High school, all of high school. See, I hated sophomore year. That was just the worst. I did not, if I could skip that year again, I could. I got denied by like three girls, all right? It worked out in the end. It worked out. And I've seen the Instagrams of some of these girls. I, big miss. Good job, Brian, right? Um, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyone else have a favorite year of school? Anyone? Yeah. Senior year. See, like mine is random. I loved seventh grade. So anyone else, when you look back at school, you're like, man, seventh. Yeah, you guys get it. I don't know if you get it because of how I got it, but like, I'm going to tell you guys a story. And it's because love is in the details. I have never seen a school do anything like this. And I don't know what possessed the staff and the administration to do something like this, but I know that the, me and the rest of the people in my entire seventh grade class will never forget it. One week, uh, the entire week, we didn't do regular classes. We didn't learn math, science, all of that stuff. We, we had what was called medieval week. And we would go, everyone was in their homerooms and everyone was assigned uh, a different role that was back then in medieval times. And I just, so I praised Jesus. I got so lucky. My role was royalty. Yeah, I was at the top. I got to boss people around. It was amazing. But there was people that were clergy and there were soldiers and uh, nobility. Like there's all that stuff learning about um, medieval times and we got cardboard and we would make up like costumes for ourselves and the army people had shields and cardboard swords and we would literally I would march my army over to another classroom and we'd have war with them and I'm telling you I don't know if we really learned much but I'll never forget it right and it was just so fun and this is the part I won't forget this is the year by the way if, if there are any Lord of the Ring fans out there this was the year that the third Lord of the Rings came out Return of the King which is the best one just I will die on that hill, all right? Um, it was the best one. And my school rented out the theater and took our entire seventh grade class, and we watched Return of the King the Friday that it came out for free uh, because it was medieval week, and it was a medieval movie, right? And, uh, like, I just think that the time and care it took those teachers and administrators to think about this whole week and be like, they could have a normal week and learn all the normal stuff, but for a week, we're going to let them have fun and get into it. I mean, no one in my class would ever forget that week. It was the best week of school that we've ever had. It's because they loved us. <clears throat> I remember all, those teachers were my favorite teachers because they showed that they cared, every single one of them. And it's just, love is found in the details when you do the small things that make an impact on people. And I think that you have a real opportunity to show Jesus to your coworkers. You, you need to decide to be the one who does what is right every time. And to show love in the details, whether it's on a project that you need to get done in a certain time frame, or whether you notice that there's a coworker that needs help, that it might not be your area, but you know you could help them. It's different things. You've got to step up, not because you have to be better at your job, but because you are a Christ follower. And how you act is how other people perceive Jesus. And one of the other places that loves in the details is at church, right here, when you're here with the church family. The Bible says in Matthew 25, 40, it says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. 
Now, a lot of times we put the emphasis on the least of these, that we're serving people that are uh, the least of these. But today I want you to focus on the part that says, whatever you did. Whatever you did. You know, I was, <clears throat> I was talking to Pastor Troy the other day, and um, we, the, the building was in kind of a mess. You know, we hadn't had... Um, uh, janitorial come in for a few days and you know we have a lot of kids that come in throughout the building and it's just it's it was used and I we were talking about it and, and how we can do better at keeping this place a little bit cleaner and he was talking to me about the men's bathroom and he had used it earlier that day and he said he had noticed some paper towels and toilet paper that are that were on the ground and um, usually like the rest of us right if we're honest we just kind of would have left them there because I mean you're thinking like dear God where has that paper towel bend, right? You don't want to touch that thing. You don't want to clean it up. But, but he didn't do that. Pastor Troy didn't do that. He picked them up and he threw them away, even though they weren't his. Why? Because, because it's spiritually important to keep the bathroom clean? No, it's not. It's because love is in the details. And since I can remember personally, I've focused on bringing the most excellence I can to whatever I do at the church. I want to be the most excellent I can, which on the surface, it sounds like a really great thing. But let me explain why excellence is problematic, right? If I were to ask the production team back there, which by the way, how many you guys love our production team and what they do for us behind the scenes? Amen. If I were to ask the production team to do the lights and the sound and the presentation with excellence... The minute I say that, they really have no idea what I'm asking them to do, right? What does excellence look like? What, what does that even mean? That's why we're going to switch our vocabulary here at the church. We don't want to be excellent. We want to remember that love is in the details. The question you should ask yourself is, am I better than I was last time at what I'm doing? And if the answer to that is yes, then you are on the right track. If your answer to that is no then you need to evaluate your heart because for those of us who follow Jesus and call new life our home, then part of our identity, part of our core values is that love is in the details, right? It can be easy when you're doing lights for a weekend gathering to get a little bit lazy. I've seen, <clears throat> I'm not pointing fingers at anyone specific, but I've seen some people just set the lights to one color and call it good for the whole gathering. I've seen people set the lights to be random colors and change whenever there's a loud sound, right? And they keep it like that for the whole worship set. And that's cool to have fast lights and cool color changes. It's great for fast songs, but it takes away from the atmosphere of a slow song, right? It takes you out of the moment. It's easy not to care about the details when you're tired. But guess what? Love is in the details, you work hard at the lights because you want people to experience an atmosphere where they meet Jesus during worship and don't get distracted by your moment of laziness. You know, we don't just vacuum and the carpet and sweep the floors because it's unsanitary when they're dirty. We care that people come here and they feel comfortable and feel at home, that they feel like they're in a safe place and they're not distracted by a dirty auditorium. You know, people notice these things and we can show them love by cleaning up messes when we see them because love is in the details. I think God wants your time to have purpose and to have meaning. Listen, if the only thing you do with your money is spend it, then you are eventually going to run out. Now, if you have time and the only thing you do with it is waste it, you are eventually 
going to run out. An anonymous author put it this way. He said, the rest of your life won't last forever. I don't know if you've ever used that before like I have, right? I'll get to that later, right? I got the rest of my life. The rest of your life won't last forever. <laughs> Do you know that of the 2,000 passengers on the Titanic, 1,517 of them didn't make it? And that at the time that the Titanic went down, there was another ship called the California that was only 30 minutes away. And the Titanic's operator was frantically sending out SOS repeatedly, but the wireless set on board the California was closed because there was only one operator on board and he had gone to bed. Help was available, but the California sailed on its way, totally unaware of the tragedy. Listen, are there those near you who could use your help you have been appointed by christ to go reach out listen if not now when when are you going to do it if not you who you can't just sit around for some undisclosed time and for some undisclosed person to get this thing done you noticed it you do it love is in the details galatians 6 10 says therefore Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, for some of you, today is the day to become part of the church of Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, if today in your heart you hear yourself saying, I want purpose in my life, or I want my time to be invested into something that matters, then Jesus is your answer. He gave the ultimate sacrifice by giving up his time in heaven to come down and spend time with us on earth. He sacrificed perfection for pain and comfort for a cross so that your life could have meaning. And all you have to do is accept him right now. So if you're ready to commit to Jesus and the perfect plan he has for your life, I just want you to raise your hand right now. No one's looking, no one's judging. This is just between you and God. Raise your hand right now if you want to give your life to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise Jesus. I'm counting eight hands in the air, and i got to say praise Jesus for that. Listen, if you accepted Jesus, would you repeat this prayer after me? If you're a Christian, would you just repeat this after me? Would you say, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving my life purpose. I give it all to you. All of my time, all of my talents, all of my treasures, it's all yours. I hold nothing back. Would you lead me and guide me to be a better person, to show you to the people around me? Thank you for using me. Help me to love others like you love them. In Jesus' name. Listen, one of the ways that you can best invest your time is by plugging yourself into a ministry here at the church. There's tons of them. I don't need to point, if I pointed out specific ministries, I'm just going to probably point out the ones that I'm in charge of because I need help. Um, there's so many ways to get involved here at the church. You have time. If you feel like you don't have time, I'm not saying this is everyone, but you might consider the fact that maybe you're not using your time effectively. There are plenty of people across our church network that need to meet Jesus, and we have a bunch of ways for you to get involved to help show Jesus to people. 
right? So if you want to find a way to get plugged into our church, talk to one of the pastors, talk to me, Pastor Trin, Pastor Kyler, Pastor Troy, Pastor Tasha, uh, anyone on the leadership team, and we'll get you plugged in somewhere. But another way that you can invest your time wisely is by studying the Word of God, by reading the Bible. And so here's what I want you to do. Everyone take your phone out. I have mine. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Take your phone out. If you have a phone, take it out. Don't be the odd one out, right? If you're looking left and right, don't be the only one that doesn't have their phone out. And if you have a Bible app, open it up. If you don't have a Bible app, download the Bible app. I have the one called Version on my phone. It's a great one. I would suggest that one. Um, but open up your Bible app. And on your Bible app at the bottom, you'll see one that says plans at the bottom. I want you to go to plans. And then you'll see at the top right, there's a little magnifying glass. You click that to search. And I just want you to search the words Bible in a year. And I don't care what plan you choose. There's a lot of them. But I want you to choose one where you're going to read the entirety of the Bible over the next year. I promise you that you will not regret reading your Bible in a year. All right? Is it going to take some life change for you to be able to read that four or five chapters a day? Yes. But that's why you're here at church, because you know that Jesus has something better for your life. Start by giving him some more time across your day. Use your day effectively. Spend some time reading his word and getting to know him. Start that plan. I don't care if you start it today or if you want to have one little bout left of laziness for your year, start it tomorrow, right? But make sure you click that start button and read through your Bible in a year. And if you need help setting up that Bible plan, please come talk to me after the gathering. I'll help you find a place to start. Or like I said, we'll help you find a place to start serving in church. Um, but before we go, I want to bless you guys with one more verse, all right? It's Matthew 6.33, and it says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So I pray that that word from the Lord blesses you as you go out and devote your time to being the church this week. If there's one thing you walk away with today, remember, love is in the details. All right? Let that be, like, memorize that. Get in your head this week. Love is in the details. God, thank you for this church family. Thank you for a great time of spending time together. I pray that you would give us all opportunities this week to prove ourselves, to prove that we are going to spend our time on you. Would you bring people across our path that we can show love to so that they can see you, God? Would you uh, help us to be love in every sh uh, way, shape, and form, in everything we say and everything we do? Not so that we look good to other people, so that other people see Jesus in us. Help us to save so many people. Help us to get them to heaven like we're going to go to heaven. And I pray a special blessing over every person in this room and everyone joining online. Bless them in their coming. Bless them in their going. Bless them in the evening. Bless them in the morning. Bless them everywhere. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Brian, the online campus pastor here at New Life Church. First off, 
thanks for joining us today. We really hope you left today's message feeling challenged and inspired to live all out for God. But before the stream ends, we wanted to let you know about a few things. If, if you haven't already, make sure you're following us on social media. Just search New Life Church Network on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, or Twitch. And not only will you find ministry updates, but also daily inspiration and encouragement. Now, every night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we host live prayer on Facebook. Don't miss out on this fundamental time of prayer with your church fam. Now, if you have a prayer request, you can always submit it at newlifeca.church slash prayer because we would love to know what's going on in your life. And if you're new today, then please know we do not expect you to give. But if New Life is your home church and you want to partner with the ministries and the vision, you can do so by going to newlifeca.church slash give or by texting the word online to 209-647-3878. None of this would be possible without new lifers who choose to irrationally give to Jesus. Lastly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life today, I would love to celebrate with you. Would you leave a comment below or maybe email me at brian at newlifeca.church? Because I would just love to celebrate with what God is doing in your life. Now, Matthew 6:33 it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. And I pray that this verse blesses you as you leave the gathering and go back out into your life. All right, New Lifers, we can't wait to see you online again soon.